What's she reading there, Joe? The right to a fair trial is a cornerstone of the Scottish criminal justice system. Quoting from the President of the Law Society of Scotland, Even on a pilot basis, judge-only trials will put that fundamental right in jeopardy with no discernible benefits. By its very definition, a jury is a better reflection of Scottish society than a single judge can possibly be. Juries act as an essential and effective safeguard against the potential for unconscious biases to unfairly influence trial outcomes. Undermining the foundations of the Scottish justice system to increase conviction rates is a dangerous approach which will create a serious risk of injustice. It's the president of the Law Society of Scotland saying pretty important things that I've talked about and you've talked about when it comes to jury trials in Canada. What's this about? So there's um, there's been an ongoing. This is scary. It's been an ongoing effort, most recently in Scotland, um, but also in England, and we've seen this in, in Canada as well. That there's a suggestion that there's a lack of justice specifically in sexual assault trials and to overcome that and increase conviction rates as you mentioned in there and that is that is the stated goal to increase conviction rates that they want to have special tribunals that are dedicated just to hearing sexual assault cases in which the judges and the uh, prosecutors and all the the players in the system will be specially trained by advocates to pretty much believe the victim. Yeah, so so this this is happening in the UK. Um, we're reading right now about Scotland. There is also in in in, um, in England. There's there's one going on in Canada. We need to be slow and careful about this because it's bad. But specifically, the most recent one that came out was juryless trials to be held for rape cases in Scotland to avoid rape miss and victim blaming, and have a more efficient, effective trial process. The pilot project will be time-limited and only apply to certain cases, sexual assault cases. The aim of testing whether a single judge is more effective than a jury in sex uh, sexual assault cases. With the aim of testing, i got to say this one more time, with the aim of testing whether having a single judge is more effective than a jury in sexual offense cases. What the f- does that mean effective it means convicting yeah and they're very clear in in every article they're not even hiding it no they're very straightforward they want to increase conviction rates and that that is a presumption of guilt they're saying basically every time somebody is acquitted there's some sort of rape myth going on and there's a failure of the system i feel bad for the blokes in scotland and from the looks of it in england and and we've seen it in Montreal, they wanted to do it. One of my favorite articles we were looking at, they call it a pilot scheme. And the word scheme, I thought that's exactly what it is. It's a scheme. So it's it's a bit different in in, uh, in Scotland. Apparently they used to have juries of 12, of 15, but now they're reducing it to 12. But you can have a majority to return a guilty verdict is at least two thirds. Here it has to be a majority, meaning unanimous it has to be everybody in canada so you have to have a unanimous verdict in canada united states and for some reason there they have at least two-thirds so that's not good um and this court which will be established will enable victims of crime such as rape to give evidence in specialist surroundings in front of judges trained in the trauma that such cases can cause so as you said these judges will be receiving 
Specialized training. On the trauma and all the other issues that go with sexual assault cases. Mm -hmm. And so what needs to be understood about that is that um, trauma training is basically there's a there's a bunch of pseudoscience that is primarily focused on trying to explain away why a, a real victim may say things that appear to be untrue. <laughs> Let's see if I can put it another way. Um, but they uh, they go backwards from looking on why people were acquitted, and then they try to explain why the person should have been believed anytime there's an acquittal, and they reverse engineered the um, the psychology behind it. There's there's interesting argument here, which which is being echoed in other jurisdictions, including ones like Canada, because your ability to get a jury trial in Canada has been significantly under attack over the last decade, where you only get it for indictable offenses, but then the the what becomes an indictable offense, the, the threshold has been raised, so you can keep more sex assault cases in the lower courts where you just get judge alone. But it's interesting here to say, so so one of these advocates says that it it's argued that there is a question mark over whether or not juries are suitable for rape cases, citing research that suggested people could be swayed by their pre-existing views and rape myths rather than the evidence in front of them. Never mind the fact that juries consist of men and women. Mm-hmm. And juries are the most democratic process of deciding guilt or innocence of a fellow citizen selected from the community in which the person on trial is with their collective life experiences not influenced in the way that others may be in the justice system, hopefully coming forth without their own biases. And they just want to wipe them out for sex assault cases. You know, one of the things that bothers me too is the, the composition of the jury. If um, somebody is acquitted, say in a high profile case, there's news reports, they will often comment if there's, uh, if there's more men on the jury than women. We're not afraid of women on the jury. No, but you, I, no I mean, you know, frankly, I, I, historically speaking, in over 100 sex assault jury trials I've done, when I had the ability to sort of have some influence in picking a jury, because thanks to our prime minister, we got rid of uh, peremptory challenges. So I get to sit there like I have nothing to do when we pick a jury. I usually had a jury of seven women, five men. Mm-hmm. And women, um, I think women have are very quite... keen intellect and skills at determining bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, uh, it, it seems to me that, um, it doesn't matter what we do to um, try and explain how the system works, why it works, why we need to focus on avoiding wrongful convictions. There's always going to be a push to redesign what has been crafted over hundreds of years. Our system is really, really good. And, and always, when you see criticisms of it, they're focused on statistics and numbers. And, you know, like we've said many times before, every case is about people. It's not about numbers. And it's about the individuals before the court. We cannot we cannot try to convict people just because we're trying to achieve certain certain t- statistics. It has to be. And that's like we've explained to people too. You go into a trial, whoever the trier of fact is, be it a jury or a judge, they don't know anyone. And they have to come to know something about that person to make the assessments of whether or not 
somebody is credible and whether or not something's plausible based on who those individuals are. It, you know, I'm just going to read this and then talk about that because it's an important point. One of these people quoted in this article said that there's overwhelming evidence. I'm not sure how you ever get overwhelming evidence of this, that jury members are influenced by rape myths, such as the assumption that victims would always fight back. Their attacker would be a stranger or they would report the incident immediately. This is bunk. It's absolute bullshit. Because that's not overwhelming evidence. There is not overwhelming evidence about that. I highly doubt that. And what are they doing? Interviewing jurors on their verdicts? Because you can't do that in Canada. Right. But you say something that's really important. Take a trial for a second. Let's just break this down for a moment. Both a judge and or a jury comes to the case not knowing anything about the accused or the complainant. They know nothing about them. In the span of a day or two days or three days or a week, they are going to be put into a position, and I mean they, either a judge or a jury, will be put into the position of having to make a monumental decision about guilt or innocence based on the evidence given by, presumably, let's say the accused testifies. And you do that on so little knowledge of who these people are what their characterological and psychological makeup are, what their life experiences are. I mean, sure, you're going to get certain things out from a complainant they will talk about, but you don't know whether it's true or not. You have very little ability to probe it. Same with an accused. You're being asked to make these incredible life-altering decisions where complainants see the criminal trial process as some vindication of victim rights, and it's not. It's about liberty and, and, and guilt or innocence, proof beyond a reasonable doubt and the presumption of innocence. But you're asking these people to do this with such little knowledge. Think about it, what we do in our daily lives. And I've said this to juries before. If you're going to buy a house, you're going to do a bit of research, right? The neighborhood you're in, um, if it's an older house, you might have an inspection done to see if there's problems. You're going to research the schools if you have children uh, that are going to be school age. You're going to do a lot of due diligence before you're going to put in an offer on a house. Let's say you want to invest in a, in a company or a stock or, or, or something of that nature. You're going to do research on it. Or you're going to rely on you know, the experience and expertise of an investment advisor. Or if you're looking at buying a, a franchise, you're going to look at what that franchise is, what's the finances behind it, etc. You do a lot of work before we invest money or buy shit, right? But before we convict somebody of a very serious crime, we just get to hear what they say. Yeah, it's... Uh, do I... Am I, like, nuts here, or does this resonate at all? I, I really don't think people understand the seriousness of, of incarcerating somebody. I really don't think they Even understand if they, it. You know, we've seen just being convicted and becoming a sex offender, yeah. in so many cases, just ends their lives. It's over. You don't work. You lose your job. If you're a parent and you're in a divorce, good luck seeing your kids. Well, there was a high-profile case in Canada that one of the complainants was quite active in the media of making tons of statements. And one of those statements was, I don't think going to jail would, would help this accused person. It'd just be like a timeout. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, it's a timeout. Just a timeout. <laughs> the reason... I, people really need to understand how serious it is and, and decide if... Well, anyway, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, I mean, that's why a trial, like, you know, 
why, you know, in a previous podcast, we commended the comments of Justice Malloy and judges. They're saying that because I think our judges are now getting their footing and doing a really good job of arriving at decisions, keeping in check what could be a wrongful conviction, making sure that we stand on guard to protect against that. That the criminal trial is about whether a criminal offense occurred, not about the vindication of any complainant or victim. Um, but again, it, it when you ask a judge or a jury to make such monumental decisions based on evidence, sometimes it's very apparent, sometimes it's not. And that's why we have such high thresholds of proof beyond a reasonable doubt and the presumption of innocence. And to try and turn it into this ridiculous process and then somehow, basically what they say is juries are just biased, you know, misogynistic uh, groups of people. That they have women in them. But, but they say that about judges too, and that's why they want to have these tribunals with specially trained judges who are trained in, and, and this, is, this is something I was thinking of as you yeah. were speaking. One of the big problems right now is um, this concept that truth is subjective, that there's no reality, that, that um, you know, it's uh, postmodernism and, and so on. And, and it seems to be a creep of that into the system. Consent is subjective in the mind of a complainant. Well, that's the law. There's only a certain, yeah, but there's only a certain amount of subjective you can get into in terms of deciding what the truth is. Right. And um, how many times have we heard complainants talk about my truth? Oh, f- <laughs> 60, 70% of the time if that's coming. I'm here to just tell my truth. Mm-hmm. I, I, I go insane when I hear that. I know. <laughs> it just drives me. Everybody in the courtroom can hear me groan when that comes out. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. Truth is subjective. It's malleable. But it's kind of funny because um, there is, there are books that have been written, and you know, academics who are trying to get into postmodernist legal systems and so on. And they, and in some of their papers, they've said, "We can't figure out why hasn't postmodernism hasn't really caught on with the legal system, right? Why we're having so much trouble getting them to adopt our ideas." It's like because trials are to some degree an attempt to get to the truth and postmodernism doesn't believe there is a truth <laughs> so it creates a bit of a problem so let's let's look at england for a moment so they're doing the same thing so courts in newcastle leeds and london and, and another uh area will take part in pilot as they call it a pilot scheme where staff police prosecutors working on sexual assault cases will receive specialized trauma training the government also said independent sexual violence advisors will be made available to survivors during the scheme. That word advisors really concerned me. Yeah. Just talk about that for a moment. Like, and, and that means, you know, at the time that the case starts all the way through the trial to the end. Right. Yeah. So they do get representation in Canada in pretrial motions, but they don't... I mean, any, anybody can hire a lawyer for advice if they want to, right? But these sure. are going to be provided by the state... And I don't know how many times I've said this before. What's driving me crazy about that is that legal aid has been cut back so much that accused people can hardly ever get assistance with paying their legal bills. And they're the charged person who's facing incarceration. Now complainants get lawyers paid for by the state when the state is, is drastically cutting back on accused people getting assistance. The it ac- just drives me crazy. The access to justice issue is horrible. There's chronic underfunding ever since I became a lawyer, which is 30 years ago. And... It hasn't got better, and it's very difficult, and there's a lot of lawyers who work very long hours being paid for just a fraction of their time to try and properly defend people, 
And I have no problem with a complainant obtaining legal advice. I have a problem with being advised through the process and what that advice is. People have to come forward and give their evidence in an untainted manner. All you have to do is tell the truth. How hard is it to do that? I get that both in, 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 in England, to some extent in Canada, cases are taking some time to get through the court system, but they're doing a good job here. The backlog you know, happened because of the pandemic, but there is investing. We need more judges. They certainly need more investing in the infrastructure of criminal justice in England. But that's not, that's not a foundation upon which to create specialized courts to try and enhance conviction rates by basically having the deck, the deck stacked against an accused. It, it just simply is not the foundation you do that, and it stands against the fundamentals. Fundamental principles. <laughs> it's, just, it's just astonishing. Yeah. And, and has this happened in Canada? Uh, well, it's happening everywhere, but you know, the, the thing... Well, Quebec the, was the trying to tease in, with it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, I haven't heard too much. Like, this was in um, 2021. They announced that they were going to set up a pilot project to, um, to have these specialized tribunals, and, uh, and, and they promised that they wouldn't undermine fair trial rates for an accused. Um, but... It hasn't seemed to have taken off. I haven't we're heard too much. See, I don't think I we're going to see it in Ontario. I don't think we're going to see it in Ontario anywhere else because I, I, I think our courts are, are doing a good job. We have robust laws against rape myth reasoning. Judges are very uh, attuned to this issue. Lawyers and, and advocates like us who, who fashion our arguments do everything we can to avoid those bases, those baseless uh, you know, forms of reasoning. The thing is, these uh, you know, projects, <laughs> these uh, specialized tribunals, are not being designed by legal, neutral legal scholars. They're being designed by activists. So... Uh, I think it's pretty clear that there's, and they've made it clear, there's an agenda to increase convictions. That's the purpose, is well, to increase convictions. The purpose is not to create... What was the opening line of the majority in JJ when the constitutionality of the of Bill C-51 was up there? Oh, <laughs> what was that which drove us Abysmally low conviction con rates. We must do better. We must do better, yeah. Some words to that effect. But, um, you know, the, the legal system... We been, must do better. That's that's a court telling everybody in this country we have to do a better job of convicting people. Is you're never going to be able to satisfy everybody. The focus has to be. How on about we do a better job of fair trials? Yeah. How about we say we need to do a better job of ensuring fair trials that respects the rights of accused and complainants, but not that we do we have to do a better job of conviction rates. Exactly. The the focus on on trying to obtain convictions even goes against the special duty of the prosecutor. The, pro the prose a prosecutor has a duty to try and uh, uncover the truth, not to seek a conviction. And that's built in there for a good reason. And yet now we're designing tribunals with the precise motive of increasing convictions. And, and frankly, in the last, you know, five months, six months, we've run quite a few trials. Prosecutors have been excellent. Well, they have been, yeah. I, I mean, you know, they've done an admirable, prof highly professional job of trying to be fair and presenting the evidence in a very fair way, taking legitimate positions, conceding stuff when they have to. I, I you know, I, 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 we said this in a previous episode, and and I'm saying it now, where I feel 
I just feel that there is there seems to be you know a proper recalibration now since we've had this this wave and I think overall the system is doing well with it. I've said it before that I think in Canada we're very lucky to have the criminal justice system we have. I just don't want to see like this infect our system and indoctrinate our judges um, and then further erode our right to to a jury trial. It's it's I, I took it so hard when when our our government, our liberal government took away preemptory challenges and the Supreme Court of Canada just went I, I just thought this was so bad when when we could not have a role in picking a jury. It was so skewed. And I don't remember one trial that I've done where I tried to pick an unfair panel or a non-diverse panel. And you and I had this trial back in, I think it was February, where we wound up with eight or nine men, everybody white over 65. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Justin and his then justice minister were saying we need to have more diversity. diversity. And it's like the numbers aren't going to work in your favor by just picking the first 12 or 13 or 15 people who come up. It just that's just math doesn't work that that's way the, the law of probability doesn't work that that's way that's the problem when all of these you know changes to the legal system are made for like you know political motives that are primarily in, in the case of the jury selection issue motivated by uh by social media outrage but united states hasn't become this insane even though it's very difficult to get a fair trial in the united states and we've talked about it before they are firmly uh, in favor of their jury process yeah you know, and, and you have an ability to pick a jury, you have an ability to ask questions, to try and root out bias. You have, for God's sakes, copyright cases. You know, we just had, um, you know, for example, it was in the UK, they have a, I don't know where the, Marcy, who, what concert are we going to see? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. You know, his trial was with a jury yes. and, you know, the one from the Avengers, the husband of uh, Iron Man. Um, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, the, the the wife, you know, the skiing accident, right? They're all juries, right? And and it's like there, you know, there's there's a you know a very strong belief in the United States system of the jury process as that being a, a you know a, a, a crux of a democratic system, and we just don't respect that the way we should in Canada. And when we picked a jury, we were lucky enough to have a judge who looked at us when a, a juror was up to see if we had concerns about the juror and then picked up on it and did and did his best to try and pick a fair jury, both for the Crown and defense. But in many cases, that may never happen. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think this attack on juries and trying to say that they're, that they're biased and they rely on myth-based reasoning is really antithetical to what they really do. I don't think they do that. And you have women on jury panels. I so are you saying women... Yeah. Women don't understand women. Whether women don't understand sexual assault. I mean, whether it's a jury or a judge is just is very concerning. There's a presumption that all acquittals are based on some sort of a problematic rape myth reason. Well, that's what this is about. Yeah, and you know, the uh, uh, like I like I said earlier, all of these tribunals are all the the brainchild of um, of advocacy groups, and advocacy groups are not. Uh, like they've been honest about, they're seeking convictions, they're not seeking a fair system. And the reality is, and everybody needs to accept this, you're never going to have a perfect system where guilty people are always convicted and innocent people are always acquitted. It's just not... It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. So, you know, it's this ut utopian thinking.
it's not just utopian thinking, which is always dangerous, but it's... Um, It'll bring us to a, what is it, a dystopia? Because that's what dy- it'll bring it us to. It always ends to, it leads to dystopia. But, um, you know, it's this idea that they presume that they know who's guilty and who isn't without even being at the trial. Well, the, the concept of saying from this one person in Scotland who was saying that there's overwhelming evidence that juries that are composed of men and women utilize rape myths in arriving at their decisions, I just think is can, cannot be factually accurate. And I also think it's disrespectful to the jury process and you don't just do away with it because of the nature of an offense or the gender of a complainant. It's, it's a hallmark of a free and democratic society that you have a jury process. And the eradication of that by interest groups pushing for this, I think, is is terrible. I, I, I... What do we see over and over again, though, with with our clients, that you know people end up being charged uh, who are innocent, and they quite often say, "I never thought this could happen to me." So there's a lot of people who support this and and um, and believe that uh, that people don't get falsely accused. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Then all of a sudden, it's them or a loved one. And and then they come to see how easy it is. I'll never forget to be falsely accused. I'll never forget when we had that lady come to us, who was being accused of sexual assault, of an allegation from thirty-eight years prior, and um, had literally said, "I've been a strong supporter of amendments to the criminal justice system to uh, to recognize the difficulties of victims of sexual assault." I never thought this could happen to me. I hear it this all the time. Not, this is absolutely true. We had this client just over a year ago. And um, it's all fine. Because the police did a thorough investigation and determined that they should not be proceeding with it. But it was incredibly interesting to have this person who said to us... Was a vigorous gosh, advocate. For- I, I was in favor. I was an advocate for all this. And I'm like... And she goes, how does this happen? I'm like, well, welcome to the club, (laughs) you know, and that's why we have to have a fair process. All right. And what I like to to always say is protecting other people's rights is protecting your own rights. Say that again. Say that because they have to get that. Yeah. When you protect other people's rights, you're protecting protecting your your own. own rights. The minute, just beware, beware of what you ask for because you may not want it especially when it happens to you, your loved ones, or, or, or a good friend, this sh- happens. And when it does happen, call us. <laughs> <laughs> good promo. Like, like subscribe, share, subscribe. Hit notifications. And send us comments and emails and stuff what you want to hear about. Good night, everybody. Thank right. you.